This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. Hello, friends, and welcome back. Today, once again, I'll share as God puts things on my heart. For those of you who haven't listened to the previous two times I've done this, uh, just to explain, I feel like the Lord wants me to listen to his voice, to his spirit, in real time as I record this, because I know that he wants to bring an encouraging word. The scriptures say that this kind of spiritual talk, this is in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, says, anyone who prophesies speaks to men for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. Well, let's take a look for a couple of minutes at what Paul says about this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, I'll read a little bit more of the context. Well, let's go back a little bit more even. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it's a very famous chapter about love. Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast. We're all familiar with 1 Corinthians chapter 13, but it's important for us to recognize that 1 Corinthians chapters 12, 13, and 14 are a sandwich. (laughs) Chapter 13 is the meat, and chapters 12 and 14 are the bread, if you want to think of it that way. We can't take chapter 13 out of context. It's a discussion about love, but chapters 12 and 14 are teachings about spiritual gifts and being a spiritual person and how that is to be lived out in the fellowship of believers. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul talks about spiritual people and spiritual gifts and the different gifts. And then in chapter 13, he says, uh, just before chapter 13, he says, I'll show you the most excellent way. And then he says, if I have all these gifts, but I don't have love, then it's worthless. It's just not God's way. We need to understand, of course, Paul wrote this letter to the church at Corinth because they needed to hear this. They clearly were spiritually gifted people, but they also were missing in the area of loving one another and denying themselves for one another. And after his discussion of love in chapter 13, he continues on what we have now marked as chapter 14, though it's all one long discourse on love and gifts. So in chapter 14, I'll just start reading here. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. Indeed, no one understands him. He utters mysteries with his spirit. But everyone who prophesies speaks to men for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy. He who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless he interprets so that the church may be edified. When we get together in a church meeting, it's best for people to hear words that they can understand. (laughs) That makes sense. You want people to be built up. He keeps using the word edify. An edifice is the front of a building, and so to edify a person is to build them up. It's like building a building. You strengthen people. You build them up. Prophecy is an encouraging spiritual word that strengthens people, edifies them, encourages people, and comforts people. And that's all it is. And to be honest, 
when I became a believer, this was in my late 20s when I really began following Jesus. One of the first churches I attended in Austin uh, didn't really believe in the spiritual gifts, and I had no experience with it really. Uh, I was a young believer, and I was among other believers who were fully committed to the Word of God, but they didn't really believe that the spiritual gifts were for today. So I know what it is to be in that situation. Over the years, I've come to see the power and the goodness of these spiritual gifts, all of the spiritual gifts, when they're done in the right way, which of course is why Paul wrote that letter to Corinth. Uh, he wanted it all done in the right way. Our God is not a God of disorder. Our God is a God of peace. We need to do things in an orderly way, whether it's bringing a song to the church or instructing the church, some revelation or a tongue or an interpretation these are all these various gifts that are given to different people to build up the church. One of these spiritual gifts is the gift of administration. That doesn't sound very fancy or exciting, but that's one of the spiritual gifts that God gives to his people to help his people. In the future, I hope I'll do a, a full session on the prophetic gift, maybe two or three sessions through the Old Testament and into the New Testament, similarities and differences how prophecy is lived out under the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. But today, I need to do it, not just talk about it. And as you know, that's a theme of my talks, to do the will of God, not just to talk about it, but to actually do it. And as Jesus says, if we really do what he says, then we're on a rock. So I encourage you, if you feel like you're not on a rock spiritually right now, you pray, ask the Lord, what he would have you do, how to respond to this situation, and then do it. Whatever he says, you do it. If he tells you to wait, then wait. If he tells you not to worry, then don't worry. If he tells you to take a specific action in relationship to another person, do that. If you need to apologize, apologize. If he wants you to record a podcast, do it. <laughs> and then you'll be on a rock. That's my story. Um, let me just take a minute to pray and see if the Lord has anything for us. Oh, as a side, I just thought, I've been thinking about this. People will listen to this at different times. Uh, there may be people listening to this a few years from when I'm recording this. The Lord understands all that, and time is very different to him than to me or you. So I'll just be obedient and share, and if anything that I say is for you, it's going to touch your heart and you are going to sense the Holy Spirit speaking to you. I am not the Holy Spirit, but I do want to be obedient and a good steward of the gifts that he has given me. The purpose that I do this is so that you would be strengthened, edified, encouraged, and comforted. Sometimes a prophetic word will also carry with it a sense of warning, but that's also to save you, to help you. So as you listen to this, wherever you are, and whatever year it is, uh, this may be a word for you, or it may be a word for somebody that you know. God's word is living, and it's active, and it's eternal. So let me go to him in prayer and see what he has for us. So the first image that I have is of a person who's in a very dark place. Uh, it's really dark, and this darkness is kind of like a big, how would I say, a big water balloon, a black, 
blob <laughs> is the word we'd say in English. It's oppressive and it tends to cover you as you push against it. It's not firm, but it is heavy. And as you push against this darkness, it tends to roll over you and surround you. And I have this idea of a person who is pushing against this darkness with your arms, your arms are up and you're leaning into this darkness and it's rolling over you. And the scripture that comes to mind is keep fighting the good fight or to fight the good fight. And um, let me look that up here. That's in First Timothy chapter 1. As Paul is writing to Timothy, he says, Timothy, my son, I give you this instruction in keeping with the prophecies once made about you, so that by following them you may fight the good fight, holding on to faith and a good conscience. Some have rejected these and have shipwrecked their faith. So that's what comes to mind, is that you're fighting a fight, and it's a fight against a darkness that's kind of hard to get a hold of. It may be related to depression, but I'm not quite sure about that. It's a spiritual fight. Sometimes depression can feel spiritual, but it's uh, emotional or even physical. But the word of the Lord to you is keep fighting that good fight. And one thing about this vision that I have is that even though you're pushing with your upper body against this darkness that is kind of hard to push away, your feet are on solid ground and you are able to push. So you have a solid foundation and you are fighting a fight against darkness and it does seem overwhelming, but your feet are on solid ground. You're not slipping backwards. You're not falling down or you're not losing your footing. You're on solid ground. So that's my encouragement to you. If this is touching your heart, and I hope it is, I want you to be encouraged that your feet are on solid ground, even though it may not feel that way or seem that way. I don't want to talk too much about feelings, but it may not seem that you're really f winning because as you push against this darkness, it just moves around and doesn't seem to give ground. But you're on firm ground. You're on a firm foundation. Your feet are set and you have something to push off of. So keep fighting the good fight. If you think this applies to you and your circumstances, I'm encouraging you. You keep pushing. Don't give up. There's victory ahead. But right now, you're in a place in life where you've got to fight that good fight. So keep exerting that energy. Don't give up. Don't despair, even though there seems to be a lot of darkness around you. I think right now the Lord wants me to tell you, you're not alone. You're on a firm foundation, and you will get this. You will see the victory. So keep fighting the good fight. And what Paul says to Timothy here may apply. Hold on to your faith and a good conscience. So hold on to your faith, be faithful, don't despair, but also have a good conscience. Always act in a way where there's no accusation against you. Keep a good conscience, keep a clear conscience, and then don't reject these things because that will shipwreck your faith. Okay, amen. I hope that's encouraging to people. Let's see what else God has for us. So next, a scripture comes to mind. It's one that I've stood on over the years, and I think I've mentioned it in previous talks. It's Proverbs chapter 24, verse 26. This has been a great help to me over the years, and I think right now the Lord wants me to share a little bit about this with you. Uh, this is for people who are in conflict. If you're in conflict with someone else right now, 
and you really want to be honest with them and you want to love them, but also a part of this conflict means the other person needs to hear some things that they may not like to hear. This scripture has been really helpful when I've been in those circumstances. Proverbs 24, 26 says, an honest answer is like a kiss on the lips. I was talking to my daughter recently. We were talking about various things and I said, communication is so important in life. Just to communicate well is very important. And as you know, uh, it's so important for us to communicate well. So many conflicts and so much disagreement, misunderstanding can be addressed if we just communicate well. That means not only communicating to the other person, saying things to the other person, but also having an open heart to listen to what they have to say. That's communication, two directions. And an honest answer is like a kiss on the lips. Sometimes people need to hear the truth, something that is honest. And sometimes that can seem to be a source of turbulence or trouble. To speak the truth can cause more conflict. And the scripture says that an honest answer is a sign of affection for another person. The scriptures, of course, say that we should speak the truth in love. It's quite possible to speak the truth without speaking it lovingly, and boy, that can really hurt and do a lot of damage. And I have to say, in modern Western culture, very often people speak in love, but they don't speak the truth. And that's equally destructive, even though it feels a lot better. (laughs) It really feels good when people speak lovingly to me, but if they don't speak the truth, then, well, it's a deception, isn't it? It seems to be one thing, but it's something else. And uh, Western culture in particular, I'll get off this soapbox pretty quick, but Western culture seems to value feelings and story above what is actually true. So if you're in a situation where you need to communicate some things and you're concerned that the person may not feel loved? Well, of course, first off, you need to be obedient to the Lord and how he's leading you, rather than depending on how you think somebody else might feel (laughs) to determine what you say. I just want you to know that an honest answer is like a kiss on the lips. You can show your affection for this other person by being honest with them. I encourage you, don't be accusatory. Don't talk down to them. Listen more than you speak. But this can be a sign of affection, your affection for this other person. So I encourage you, uh, be affectionate and be honest. Those two things go together. Be ready to be misunderstood because some people don't have experience of somebody who is honest and direct also being affectionate and loving. Carry those two things together. You can be honest and also show your affection at the same time. All right, let's see if God has anything else here. Okay, the next thing that comes to mind is also a scripture. It's something that Jesus said himself at the very beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says the Beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit. That's the first. The one that comes to mind right now is blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. Blessed are the peacemakers. If you're in a point of conflict right now, and I, what I'm sensing And the spirit is that you're in the middle of a conflict that involves several different parties. So it's not uh, one person against another person or one group against another person or uh, one group against another group. 
there's a lot of different people involved in this conflict, and there are a lot of moving parts and a lot of points of disagreement. Uh, some people are agitated. Some people involved in this are confused and don't quite know what to make of it. Some are very involved and very intense, and some are sort of on the periphery looking in. Any of this is ringing true to you as I speak. I want to say to you, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. Your role, your role is to be a peacemaker. Your role is not to win in this conflict. Your role is not to decide who wins. Your role is not to choose the winning side and align yourself with them. Your role, God is saying to you right now, your role is to be a peacemaker. That's why he has you in this situation. Like I said, it feels like a very complicated and complex circumstance that you're in with a lot of different people, a lot of different personalities, many different attitudes, and many different ways of people dealing with this conflict. Um, actually, some people are defining the conflict differently. One person may say, well, this is the issue, and another may say, no, 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 that's not the issue. This is the issue. And there are lots of these voices. So you're feeling a little bit overwhelmed, and also you might be inclined to step out of the ring to get away from this circumstance because it's just kind of overwhelming. It's like a almost like a tornado of emotion. There's name-calling. People are calling each other names and assuming the worst of each other. And you're there to be a peacemaker. That's why you're there. So you need to stand on a firm foundation. Keep your feet on the ground on a rock, even while the winds are blowing. And there's all this turbulence and noise and, and ungodliness. People are really getting angry with each other in these conflicts, whatever this is. You keep your feet on solid ground and become a peacemaker. Now, I'll share, this is my own thinking about what this can mean and how it's uh, been lived out in my life. A peacemaker, to me, is someone who has one foot in each camp. Peacemakers are bridges between warring factions. The peacemaker goes between and bridges and bonds together these two opposing sides and finds a way to smooth out the rough edges, to minimize the friction and the heat, and to calm things down, to be a stabilizing influence. And that's what the Lord wants for you in this circumstance. He loves all of those people. He wants them to be at peace, to have a peace that passes understanding. And you're there to help bring that into this circumstance. That's your role. And you are blessed as you do that. You're going to be blessed. And you're going to be called a, a child of God, a son of God, because you are a peacemaker in this situation. Don't look for validation from the people that are involved in this complicated situation. They are not going to validate you. Well, it's called the fear of man. You shouldn't be afraid of what they think about you. Your validation comes from the Lord himself. And he is saying to you, my child, I have placed you here to bring my peace to these people. So don't be afraid. Fear not. The Lord is on your side. And if he can be for you, who, who can be against you? So be strong and be a peacemaker. Amen. Well, let's see if the Lord has anything else here. Okay, so I have a, 
a very interesting image come to mind, and this is often the way that I perceive messages for people is through a sort of a picture that may come to mind. Of course, it may be a scripture, as has happened today. So I have an image in my mind of a person on a broad, open plain, standing. You, you look very tiny in this setting. Look small. And you're facing this broad expanse of a it's almost like in the United States, they have these salt flats. They're areas that used to be lakes, and now they're all dried up, and it's a flat salt ground that is huge and extends for kilometers and kilometers, miles and miles. And I see you standing there, and you're fearful. You're afraid of this unknown future. You're trying to discern what's out there, and you've just got this nagging sense of dread, I guess, fearful of something that you think is heading your direction, and you feel like, well, and from what you can tell, you're alone on this big, broad expanse. You're out there vulnerable. There's no trees. There's nothing to protect you. And you have this nagging sense of dread, a fear that's gnawing at you, and you're not quite sure what to do or where to go or which direction to face. Feeling pretty alone right now. Well, I have a word for you, and the picture is pretty fun. As this picture draws back a bit, I can see that you're not actually alone on this broad expanse. Directly behind you is a, a, a giant, a huge figure, standing directly behind you that you can't see because you're looking out in front and off to the left and the right. But directly behind you is this uh, huge being. And the word of the Lord is, fear not, for I am with you. From all that you can sense right now, you feel like you're alone and you're dreading what's coming. And God is saying, don't be afraid. I am here. I'm with you. And this is a voice that's coming over your shoulder. This is the voice of the Lord for you. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. He is with you. And I remind you that Jesus promised, he said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will not leave you as an orphan. You are not fatherless. God is with you. He is standing there with you. And he is huge. <laughs> That's part of this image is uh, you are tiny and weak and frail. And you've got this guardian standing there behind you. Uh Whatever would come against you is not going to get very close because not only does this adversary see you, the adversary sees who is with you. And he's going to keep his distance, so you don't need to be afraid of anything. Amen. That's a good word. That is a really good word. Let this word turn your heart to worship and thanksgiving. Yeah, the Lord wants you to Amen. Just open your heart up to him. Turn your self away from these things that you may be fearful of, these unknown things that you're fearful of. Just set them aside. Actually, turn your back on them. Just turn around and really be grateful for God's character and his promises, his presence and his strength. Um, amen. God is... Uh, 
I, I would say uh, allow yourself to be humbled because of how great he is and how weak you are. Because apart from him, we really can't do anything. And that means we're weak. Without him, we really are weak. With him, gosh, we can do anything in accordance with his will. We can move mountains if he wants us to. And that's true for you. As you listen to this, what I'm saying right now, if this is resonating in your heart, be humble. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. God is near to the brokenhearted, and he is saying to you, fear not, for I am with you. Amen. Well, we thank the Lord for his word. Our God is a God of life and truth and meaning. And the way that we receive those gifts is to abide in him and to rest in him and listen to him, to choose him above all else. Well, thank you, friends, for listening. Until the next time, I pray that God will continue to reveal to you his will and his ways. Because even though they can be hard, his ways are always good, and they do lead to peace for the soul. Amen. Jesus said to his disciples, Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Thank you for listening, and God bless you all. Thank you.